Welcome to Ageless by Rescue. This podcast is devoted to exploring the science of rejuvenation, uncovering the most trusted experts, the must-have products, innovations, and technology in the field of vitality, aesthetics, new beauty, and cosmetic enhancement. I'd love to introduce you to Dr. James Southwell Keeley. He's a plastic surgeon, and he's the head of plastic surgery training at St. Vincent's Hospital and lectures for both the University of New South Wales and the University of Notre Dame. His greatest passions lie with reconstructive and cosmetic breast surgery, facelifts, facial rejuvenation, microsurgery, and complex skin cancer reconstruction. Dr. Southwell Keeley is trained in plastic surgery in Sydney through the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons, then spent two years at post-fellowship work in the UK and Europe before returning to work in Sydney in 2011. He is regarded as one of the top surgeons in Australia and a member of the Australian Society of Plastic Surgeons, which works in conjunction with the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons to train future Australian plastic surgeons. It's really important for me that I'm introducing you to a plastic surgeon for this particular episode. Dr. Southwell Keeley shares the latest trend in breast enhancement procedures and why he prefers not to use implants. We explore the alternatives to implants for breast enlargement, discuss the latest procedures for breast reduction, and the potential benefits of incorporating an internal bra and fat grafting as part of breast reconstruction and enhancement surgery. You're going to love this super informative session with Dr. James Southwell Keeley. Dr. James Southwell Kelly, welcome to Ageless Virus here. I've been waiting to get you on the show for so long. Uh, we have so many questions. The most popular surgical treatment in Australia is breast implants. And today we're going to talk about breast explants. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a real delight to be here today. Um, explantation is, I guess, a natural progression from breast implantation. But I think that's becoming more popular for lots of different reasons. Now, implants are never forever. And some patients- Is that decide, really true? Like truly oh, you, yeah. you have to get them out at some point. So we need to get that into our head when we go in for that surgery. This yeah. is not forever. You will have to come back to replace them or remove them. Yeah. At some point, you're going to need to change them. And that could be because of a problem with the implant, or it could be because your body has changed around the implant. You've had children, your, your weight has changed, your age has changed, and with it, the breast has changed. So what looked great 20 years ago or 10 years ago, or even five years ago, no longer is, is doing for you what you'd like it to do. So that takes us to explantation. And lots of women have decided now that they just don't want that foreign body, that silicon implant inside their breasts anymore. And so that that's, that's leads to a whole population of patients now who are requesting explantation or removal of their implants. So the conversation we're having today is about, I guess, the elective explant, because there are mm. a lot of explants going on in an emergency setting where there's been a leak or a rupture or um, some kind of uh, allergic reaction or um, from the patient. But what we're talking about is a personal choice that's being made that I no longer want to have my implants in and I want to explore potentially other op opportunities, procedures, advancements in plastic surgery that can still give me a nice silhouette, a great outcome, but without a foreign body inside me. 
And I want to talk about two things that, um, you know, we've talked about a lot and you're a specialist in, one of which is fat uh, grafting. So using the patient's own fat uh, uh, to create tissue in the breast cavity. And the other thing that goes kind of hand in hand with that is creating a scaffolding via an internal bra. Um, so I don't know where you'd like to start, which goes first, the chicken or the egg, but I'll let you take it away. No, good on you. Thank you. Um, so the way I think about it is the implant served a purpose at some point and then removing that implant is going, going to detract in terms of shape and volume from the breast, uh, potentially irreparably. So you're, you're in a bit of a bind. You don't want to leave the breast looking deflated and sad and empty as a result of having had the breast implant. Um, and so, as you rightly point out, what is the alternative? Well, some patients, and not for every patient, some patients can use their own body tissue. And you harvest that um, fat, which is the body tissue I'm talking about, by way of liposuction. The fat is then treated differently. It can be treated as sort of macroscopic fat. It can be treated to make it into microscopic or even nano fat, um, according to the level at which it's going to then be injected back into the breast. Can you explain to fullness. us what those three types of fat treatments are for, for the layperson? Yeah, absolutely. So ultimately, they refer to the size of the fat particle. So the macro fat is the, is the larger um, bumps of fat, I guess. And they, they, you need the fat to survive once it's injected. And each of the different types of fat has a different sort of a survival characteristic. And so depending on the outcome you're trying to achieve and where you're injecting within the breast and what plane you're injecting into, whether it's very superficial and up and under the skin or whether it's slightly deeper down within the subcutaneous fatty structure of the breast, you, you, you can use different fat or fat that's been processed in different ways to create a different effect. And, and you process that, so is it one surgery? So they would come to yeah. you, have the liposuction, get the tissue and the fat, you would process it within the surgical treatment period. Is that correct? Yep, absolutely, yeah. It's all done within the one operation. And so you, you're removing the, uh, an implant, that's the explantation, and then you're making the breast, you're revolumizing the breast, you're reshaping the breast, but now without the implant, rather using the patient's own body tissue, which is the fatty tissue. And am I correct in understanding that However much you harvest and um, use to build up the breast tissue where the implant used to be, you're going to get a, up to 50% loss in fat after the yeah. um, transposition of, of the fat into that breast cavity. Um, yeah. Is that correct? 100%. Yeah. Or oh, 50%, I should say. <laughs> so that's, you're spot on. So the way that it works is that it's transported into the body. It looks you know, voluminous and quite full to begin with. Yeah. And then it metabolizes. Is that what happens? Yeah. So there's a degree of attrition of that injected fat. And then what's left after, say, oh, maybe 12 weeks is what you'll be left with. It's a procedure that's often repeated once or twice. So patients might have two or three rounds of fat grafting. And every time you add to the fat that you were originally added to, you, you preserve more of the additional fat, if that makes sense. Now, one of the things that you told me about this procedure, which I think is interesting, and there's a lot of talk about it, is that because you're using your, the patient's own 
blood and uh, I guess uh, fat and tissue, you may see some rejuvenation benefits as well, similar to PRP or stem cell or any kind of treatment like that. Is that correct? Did you do you get that rejuvenation benefit as well? Yeah, you do absolutely. Um, all of the the tissue based rejuvenating techniques have in common, um, they, they carry not just the cells, but they also carry uh, blood-borne products that stimulate cellular, cellular growth and, and, and messaging and production. So in terms of fat, your, your, your fat stores, the fat that's harvested by liposuction has the highest concentration of stem cells in your body outside of your bone marrow. So it is an absolute repository of living, beautiful, incredible stem cells. And then coupled with that, the, the act of removing the tissue stimulates a, a sort of an, a healing response that starts as the fat's removed. And part of that healing response is tissue factor and interleukins and various different messaging chemicals that help with that healing process. So as they're injected back into the breast, you, you have this, this rejuvenating effect as well. So the breast is, it looks nice. The skin is rejuvenated. It's softer, as well as adding sheer volume um, by way of the fat injection. So you keep referring to an injection. So it's not the surgical element is the fat removal via liposuction, but the introduction of fat into the breast cavity or the breast tissue is injection. And how does that work? So I use a very fine bore cannula, which is just like a needle and it's quite long. And then you inject it under the skin surface. It's injected by way um, of pressure through a syringe and you create these very fine little threads of fat that you leave behind. You inject as you're, as you're withdrawing the needle from the, from the tissue and you create a honeycombing of, of these little fatty filaments within and surrounded by your healthy breast tissue. So it's instantly nourished and replenished and given uh, nutrients by the surrounding tissue. This sounds like the world's best surgery. I mean, you're getting rid of fat on your bum and you're getting bigger boobs. Why aren't more people doing it? Well, that's a great question. <laughs> I guess there's, there's a few reasons. One is it, it doesn't allow for a very large increase in size. So you, you have to set a more modest um, increase in volume aspiration, as it were. So I'd say it's about a cup size is what you can achieve safely. And look, for most people, that's pretty good. And maybe that's enough. But if you um, have A cup breasts and you're really um, desperate to have C cup or D cup breasts, it's not a procedure that lends itself very easily to that sort of solution. You need so many return trips to the operating theater. Patients who have A cup breasts often don't have a huge repository of body fat to harvest for the fat transfer, the fat injection. So they're not necessarily the best candidates for it. But if you're looking to be from a B to a C or a C to a D or even just a, a full C, then it's a great operation for you. So if you had quite substantial breast implants and you had them explanted, this yeah. may not be the surgical remedy for you because you've got big cavities and you won't be able to fill it with enough fat. Am I correct? That's right. And you're not injecting the fat into the cavity because the cavity is just an empty space. It will collapse down and the body just makes it part of itself again. The cavity disappears over a period of days. So you have to inject the fat into the living tissue. Right. So depending on the size of the implant that's removed 
and tissue factors. So how elastic the patient's tissues are, how much recoil you can expect, then it offers a greater or a lesser opportunity to use the fat in the first instance. So you really have to tailor it. It's not just one size fits all. Would I be correct in understanding? I mean, a lot of my audience are perhaps past their, you know, breastfeeding stage or having children stage. And they're now looking at things that are going to rejuvenate their breasts, not necessarily looking for size, but they're looking for fullness, uh, you know, an improvement in the skin tone, in the firmness. They want to wear, you know, clothes that are maybe a little bit uh, plunging, revealing, side cuts. And they feel like they've lost that youthful appearance of their breast. Is yeah. fat grafting coupled with what we're going to talk about next, the internal graft? Is, is that really the best rejuvenation uh, system that's out there currently? So best is a really kind of loaded, loaded term. Okay. But yeah, I would, I would argue it is. And I would argue it is because once it's done, it's done. And as we alluded to earlier, maybe you need a second round of the fat transfer. Maybe you need another operation if you wanted to get that little bit of extra volume that you didn't get at the first. But having had that one or two procedures, however many it was, in that sort of short time frame, it's done. It's done. And how long does it last for? It'll last forever. So the rejuvenation will last? Well, look, yeah. That's a very good point as well. So the aging process is unremitting. Yes. It doesn't stop. And it continues right from the, the minute you're rolled out of the operating theatre. So you, you have to couple the analysis of the outcome with the, the natural tendency towards the ageing process that we are all burdened with as, as, as biological creatures. So, so it's a long-lasting rejuvenation, I guess, is a good summary point. And you don't and need to have natural. any revisions for it. You can have top-ups for it, but no revisions. Yeah, is there, that's right. Is there any, um, like, potential uh, downside other than the fact that you may need top-ups? Can you reject your own body's tissue? Is that possible as a, as a negative um, downside to this procedure? Yeah, you don't reject it, but if you overdo it, so there's a natural sort of tissue tension uh, volume that your body will accept. And beyond that, you will detract from any further injection. In fact, the fact you've already injected will not survive. So there's a definite skill in knowing how much is enough and how much the tissue will tolerate. And you can take it up to that point, but you can't push past it. I feel really tempted to have a little sideway conversation with you at this point because you were talking about the importance to really know what you're doing. And I think that there's been, you know, a lot of conversation in the Australian um, surgical um, fraternity and circles um, about the skill of the doctor, the qualification of the doctor, and you are an Australian plastic surgeon. And I, I'd love for you to explain to us what the difference is between your qualifications and that of a cosmetic surgeon um, and why some of these uh, newer or complicated double surgeries where you're doing a liposuction plus a breast explant and then uh, the rejuvenation with the fat grafting, why that might require someone who is potentially uh, more skilled, more trained. 
Yeah, thank you. That's a really good question. Um, look, plastic surgeons, uh, it's a recognised subspecialty of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons. And on average, it takes about 10 years to achieve that qualification. So, you know, it's, it's a very highly competitive, highly sought after um, and very strenuous training um, program. And at the end of it, you are essentially equipped to deal with almost any plastic, reconstructive, cosmetic, surgical problem or patient that, that came across your way. And then obviously experience and work and practice and, and time builds upon that foundation. Now, there is not really a recognized um, subspecialty of cosmetic surgery. It's, it's sort of, um, it's something that the lay population have latched onto because a lot of elective procedures or discretionary plastic surgery procedures are referred to as cosmetic procedures. So you can, you can have gone through GP training with a basic medical degree and a basic medical degree is a Bachelor of Medicine, Bachelor of Surgery. That doesn't mean you've done any meaningful surgical training whatsoever, but using that as, as your um, ticket to ride, you can then set up a shingle saying that you do cosmetic surgical procedures. And that's been the case, unfortunately, in this country. Um, for the longest time. And hopefully the ACCC investigation and um, other um, unfortunate events have precipitated um, a real looking at this. And it's really under the spotlight at the moment. Hopefully things will be better uh, for ultimately for the patient's benefit moving forwards. Yeah, I guess the thing that I think about, you know, when we're talking about the breast explant, the fat graft, the internal bra, these are multiple things happening at once oh, You're totally. under general anesthetic. Um, I would assume that the recovery is not insubstantial and yeah. things can go wrong, particularly, you know, if you're getting fat from certain areas of the body, we already know that the BBL, for example, is a highly vascular area and things can and do go wrong, that there've been a number of reported problems with liposuction that everyone thinks is like drinking water. It's not, it's, it's a serious surgery. So I can so, understand why having someone who's got, you know, that additional training and hands-on surgical experience in a, what is essentially a triple surgical procedure. Yeah. Would be important. But let's talk about the aesthetic side of things now that we've heavily um, gone down the path of safety, which I think is always worthwhile mentioning. Um, a new, another uh, procedure that you're, you're a specialist in and um, is not everywhere, but I, I don't understand why, because again, when I first read about it and when we talked about it, to me, it seems like a miracle, uh, which is the internal bra, which and I'll get you to explain what it is and why. But to me, as a, you know, when I first came across it, I thought, well, I like the idea of threads and I understand the concept of collagen and elastin. My God, this seems like a dream come true. Yeah. So what yeah. is it? <laughs> so what it is, is um, it's part of a, essentially a lift, a breast lift or a breast reduction. But Typically or historically, with all of those procedures, you're relying on the body and its own tissue to hold up the new breast position and hold the new breast shape. But fundamentally, what led the patient to having the surgery in the first place was a failure of that very system, a failure of that very body, a failure of the breast, if you like. 
So the breast is descended, stretched with time, with children, with breastfeeding. And, and now you're Exercise, hoping, sport, like there are a lot of people. Exercise, sport, yeah, weight life. Ex absolutely. And, and then so you, you're trying to fix a system that's failing by using the failing system. It fundamentally seems a little flawed. If you add something to that failing system to help it support, to help form some new collagen internally, well, you, you stand a chance of creating a, an, a better support for that new breast position and the new breast shape during the healing process and moving forwards. And that's the internal bra, essentially. And what is it? Is it, um, is it like threads? What is, what is it a matrix of? What does it look like? How does it go in? All the questions. Yeah, all of the questions. <laughs> so they come in different forms, the, the matrices, the um, meshes, etc. And there are permanent ones, there are non-permanent ones. There are ones that are made from um, uh, biological materials and there are ones made from non-biological materials. And for me, the simplest one, the one I think works the best, is one that's made from essentially the same material that suture material is made from. So as part of every surgery, you use suture material. And we use buried dissolving suture material inside the body. And sometimes you use the suture material on the outside that you remove, because it's not dissolving. Well, I like the, the, the meshes that are made from a dissolving suture material. So during the healing process, it's stimulating, it's holding the position of the breast in its new position. And it's stimulating the formation of some extra collagen, which in turn will help support the breast in its new shape and position. But in time, it will dissolve. So the mesh itself is gone, but the collagen will stay. And you, you, you're left with that support. Now you can use the permanent meshes. And in fact, they were described initially, I think in the, in the 90s, um, but they're not without problems. So again, it's that's a foreign body, something correct, that may or may it's not just be below the skin surface. So, you know, if you if if you have a stitch that that wants to work its way to the surface, well, that's a nuisance. But if you have a whole sheet of non-dissolving stitch material that's just below the surface of the skin, well, that can cause a lot of redness and irritation and inflammation. And you don't want to go down that. You don't want to go down that path. So for me. It's a dissolving matrix that just gives the body a little extra push to create that extra collagen, that extra support during the healing phase. How much can we rely on this to, to show a change? Because again, you know, we've talked about this before and I, I always like to um, be as realistic as possible because it, any surgery, any procedure, even any injectable, you really have to understand that it, you know, if it was, a miracle we'd all be doing it so there are yeah, definitely right. some limitations to absolutely everything that's available still yeah. um how how much will it lift how much will it rejuvenate how long will it last for what's what's the correct and realistic expectation around this yeah great questions um look i think the utility of this sort of a technique is dependent on the skill of the, of the operator who's, who's purporting to use it. And part of the skill in using it isn't just the, the nuts and bolts and, and knowing where to put it in and how to put it in, but how to choose the patients that will benefit most from it. So if you don't choose the right patient, it's not gonna have the, the desired effect or the effect won't be as long lasting as you might hope it would be. Whereas 
if the patient choice is correct and the, the operation is done seamlessly, well, then the outcome should be very long lasting. Nothing's forever, but it should be very long lasting. And is it, so am I correct in that it's lifting mm -hmm. um, as well as supporting? So it will give yeah. a, not an immediate because you're waiting for the collagen and elastin to form around the matrix of the sheet or whatever. Oh, no, it will have an immediate effect. Pardon me. The immediate effect is the effect of the, the, the lift produced by the, the mesh. Okay. And then the mesh is, for, for me, the ones that I use are not permanent. So you're not leaving something in there that might cause a problem down the track. But during the, the next six to 12 weeks, while your body dissolves and digests that, that mesh, it's also laying down collagen in its stead, in its place. And so does it improve? Because collagen, laying down collagen, to me, as I understand it, will improve with time. So if you've had the mesh and it's stimulating a collagen response, Will you see an, a further lift? Will you see, um, or does it plateau at some point? In no, it, it plateaus. Yeah, mm -hmm. it plateaus. There's a sheet of collagen there. There's the support there that wasn't otherwise there. But um, a, good, a good analogy would be um, laser resurfacing of the skin, say. And you can look great and glowing after a couple of treatments, but that's not, that's not it for the rest of your days. You know, a year, two years later, if you haven't re-stimulated that, that surface collagen production, then the effects will start to fade. So the effects will not hold the breast in the, the position that it's in at the end of the operation for the rest of your days, but there will be collagen there that was never there before that will help support it. So even during the aging process, even though things will continue to change with time, you've still got that extra support there. So I guess the flip side is where would it be without that? It would be a lot worse off, I'd suggest. So if you don't want to have the breast explant or you don't need a breast explant and you don't want to have the uh, fat graft, is uh, an internal bra an option as a standalone procedure? Yeah, absolutely, yep. And it's not and that, that expensive, is it? Nor that invasive. No. It's not that invasive, no. It's usually coupled with a little lift around the, the areola, so a periareolar lift. And so that's just repositioning the nipple slightly on the breast mount. It, it's not suitable if the nipple is right down the bottom of the breast mount. It needs to be moved a long way back to, to its optimal position. But for those subtle lifts, you'll, you'll get that, that additional support through a scar that, that sits at that natural junction between the pigmented areola skin and the non-pigmented breast skin. So it's very hard to see. So it's not and like it, what they call a lollipop scar, is it? So it's not along no, the breast, no. It no, sits around. It's just so you, around, yeah. And what's the recovery and the, you know, if, if it was a standalone procedure, is, does it require general anaesthetic? Oh, I prefer to do it with a general anaesthetic. It, anything is possible with sedation and local anaesthetic, but you're relying wholly and solely on that, on that local anaesthetic. And if, if you then tip outside that safe zone and now you're in, you're in pain, then what am I going to do? I can't give you more local without it being a risk toxicity to your heart or to your causing seizures. 
then you're relying on more sedation and that's not safe because we haven't protected your airway. So I think for the breast, it, it's such a, an expansive area on your chest wall. It's just easier and better done with a light general anesthetic. It's safer. So we're, we're recording this in June um, and, you know, people are planning um, whatever they're planning for their bodies, uh, celebrate, you know, coming into summer or whatever. Uh, if they were concerned with an aging breast implant and they really wanted to go down the more natural path and wanted to get the explant for whatever reason, um, the rejuvenation with fat graft and a internal bra, what is the recovery time? Is, is it a realistic proposition that, you know, you could have it July, August, September and be on the beach by Christmas? Is, is that a reasonable expectation? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there are no drains or any of the other things that come with breast implants, right? Usually not. Usually not. Drains, I, I reserve the right to use after discussing with the patient, obviously. But if at the end of the operation, it just looks like there's going to be ongoing internal weeping of fluid, I don't want that building up under the wound. A drain for a day or two will just keep it all clean and healthy inside and divert that fluid into a little bottle outside the body. And then that can be easily removed on the ward or in the office. But mostly, I'd say 80%, 90% of patients don't need a drain. And I want to ask something controversial, but only because I get asked this all the time, because often I talk about my audience and my typical audience is 38 to 50 is the core audience that's listening to us. And I would say another 30% are uh, over 50 and another, you know, the rest are under 35. Is this a suitable treatment for a young patient who doesn't want to have an implant? because breast implants are quite popular in a, you know, in the twenties. And then, you know, at that time, it seems like a really great idea to put silicon or saline or whatever else in your breasts for, for the aesthetic effect that you want to achieve. And then, you know, come your early forties, you're like, my God, what did I do in my twenties? But is mm. this a suitable treatment for um, a first time young uh, patient who who genuinely wants to have uh, an augmented or a, a improved breast um, profile. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So it's ne you're never too young to have the lipo and the breast um, fat no. graft. So I guess if we go back to that kind of example that I, I used earlier on, if you if you wear an A cup bra and you're a very thin, um, uh, lean patient and you're hoping to have a, a D-cup, um, wear a D-cup bra after your, after your operation, I, I, you just can't do that. You don't have enough fat to support that, that level of natural augmentation. But if you're B and just wish to go to C, or you know, if it's just a small step up and you, and you have enough um, body fat, then yeah, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful natural alternative. And Dr. Southwell Kelly, what about shaping? Do you still have the opportunity for artistry using fat? Because I guess with the implants, there are so many different shapes and sizes and you can, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, shop the range and choose what you want to end up with. But with the fat grafting, um, you explained the process and, you know, the matrix of fat that you weave in underneath the tissue is there a level of artistry and um, 
styling, I guess, that you can achieve as, you know, as an experienced plastic surgeon? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I'd argue there's probably more of an opportunity. There's a lot made of um, breast shape, breast implant shapes and styles, um, but that's mostly marketing talk. If you look at them objectively, they're mostly round or they're teardrop, and there's very few teardrop ones on the market these days. So essentially you're talking about round and they're either a little bit fuller or a little bit less full. So you can do a lot with those simple shapes, but the whole artistry side of things is it's a little bit more in the upsell than, than the reality. Was I think when you're, when you're positioning body fat, living tissue into a living organ, um, the breast, you, you can really pick and choose where you're trying to accentuate the shape. It was so good to speak to you. I swear this is one of those topics that people can't believe that there is an alternative. I think we've all, you know, we do get myopic about options. It was like when people started doing non-surgical nose filler um, to reshape, you know, without having to have rhinoplasty. It's not the same as rhinoplasty, but it does give an alternative that's a little less invasive, well, a lot less invasive and, and affordable. And I thought that, you know, the internal bra was an amazing amazing innovation to talk about and I know that you're one of Australia's best experts in this area and the fat grafting for breast uh, enhancement I think is also a really interesting topic um, and I was so delighted to be able to host you on the show today and to have you speak openly and candidly um, about the topic. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, it was a delight to share my thoughts and feelings with you. And I will have all the links to Dr. Southwell Keeley if you um, want to book in for an appointment with him or learn more. There's a lot of information on his website as well. And um, yes, thank you again. It was a really interesting conversation. I appreciate it so much. Absolute pleasure. Take care. Ageless by Rescue is brought to you by Rescue Me Academy, Reignite Your Relationship course. Love your relationship but miss the early days? You're not alone. This course will teach you how to identify your issues, stop the fighting, find what you need to be happy, re-spark intimacy and keep the lines of communication open. Join us at rescuemeacademy.com.au to learn more about the program and to download your first free lesson. I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did, please share and rate this episode. I'd love that. 